0: Welcome to Podcast Hackers, the show for podcasters by podcasters. Here, each episode, you'll hear from the best and brightest podcasters and learn how they're growing their audience, monetizing their shows, and making an impact through podcasting. And now your host, Craig Hewitt.
1: Hey there and welcome back to another edition of Office Hours by the team at Castos. I'm Craig Hewitt, the founder of Castos and on with us today is Denise from our marketing group. Hi Denise.
2: Hi, how's it going?
1: Good, going well. So we're a couple of minutes ahead of uh, the top of the hour. And so folks that are just popping in to the webinar now, if you could do two things, one in the chat area, just pop in and say hi and where you are kind of logging in from so we can know kind of who's here and, and where you're coming from. And then the second thing is we have a poll running about audience engagement which is the kind of the mini topic that we'll be talking about for the first 10 or 15 minutes so if you could scroll down on the screen here and answer kind of where audience engagement sits in your overall podcast strategy um i think it's a really uh, a really interesting topic and and maybe like one of the few things that i think is a really interesting pattern match between the really successful shows They almost all have some high degree of audience engagement and they all do it a little differently and shows that Mike struggle to get traction is, you know, you're podcasting and someone else is listening, but you don't know. So that's that's kind of the whole thing is how do you know that people are listening and that what you're saying is really uh, resonating with them. So we're going to talk about that for the first 10 or 15 minutes today. So if you could scroll down on your webinar software there and answer our poll question about how you do with audience engagement so we can know kind of where everyone's coming from. And for the folks that are just coming in, if you could drop in the chat and say hi and where you are calling from today, calling in from. I always feel like a live radio host when I say that, like sports talk radio, where are you calling from? <laughs> hi, Melissa from Denver. Thanks for joining us today. I think uh, you know this. This question about audience engagement, Denise, will be interesting one to to get engagement from everybody on the webinar today. So we should have you know close to 100 people. So it'll be interesting to hear what people have done. We have five kind of general strategies that we're going to walk through for folks that haven't thought about this very much. But there are tons of things out there that people do. So I'd love to hear from folks when we get into the question and answers section about kind of what folks are doing to encourage audience engagement and what's working.
2: Yeah, likewise. And this is a good segue to remind everyone to feel free to drop your questions also in that question tab as we're kind of going through our presentation or, you know, as you think of them, they can be related to audience engagement. But if you have other questions related to podcasting in general, whether you're just getting started or if you're a pro, feel free to drop them in that question tab and we will be answering them through our Q&A after this presentation. And welcome,
1: Jack, from Chicago. Cool. So we're going to get started here in just a minute. For those who are just coming in, if you could stop in and say, hey, in the chat, that would be awesome, and where you're logging in from. And then we do have a poll running if you scroll down on the towards the bottom of your screen talking about audience engagement. I'll talk about audience engagement for 10 or 15 minutes uh, and give some ideas and things for folks to chew on and try and implement in their shows. And then we'll take questions and answers for the rest of the hour. And like Denise said, if you have a question, scroll down in the questions area on the bottom of the screen and drop your question in there, and then we'll get to those here in just a few minutes. Awesome. So. I will go ahead and get started. For the folks who didn't get the intros, my name's Craig Hewitt, I'm the founder of Castos, along with Denise Meckel from our marketing group. So we're gonna talk today about kind of two things. One is definitely the question and answer section, but before that, we're gonna talk about audience engagement and participation in your show. And I think this is a really important topic because uh, podcasting kind of by default is you talk and other people listen. That's like the core of it, right? But I think that the place where people have taken their shows a step further and use their shows as a platform to encourage community and engagement and moving their message from just a podcast into other things is around community engagement. And so we're going to talk through five strategies or ways that you can approach engaging your audience in between or within an episode. And the five things are things like emails and voicemails, blog, our communities like Facebook groups and other types of digital online communities, blog comments and how you manage and encourage those, roundtables as a podcast format. So not just you talking and everyone else listening or you and a co-host, but a true kind of audience participation within your show. Uh, and then doing live episodes, which really are more like a webinar. We have some of our customers that are doing live episodes and then seeing a lot of success. We'll talk a little bit about what that looks like. So the first one is, is maybe like the most traditional one. And, and we see this a lot in either written or vocal media. So people leaving email messages for the host or hosts of the show or voicemails. For both, I think the, the kind of best thing to, to encourage is have this be part of the regular call to action that you have in your podcast. Say, hey, if you have any questions for us or comments about what we talked about today in the show, shoot us a message, You know, podcast at castos.com. And we'll include your question and respond to it in the next episode. So that's a really kind of standard one. I think it works really well. It's a pretty low ask of your audience. They don't have to do anything weird like record into their computer. You know, if they're not a podcaster, they might feel really weird about How do they record and how do they send it to you and all these kind of things. I think a best practice here too, is having a dedicated email address just for your show. So if you're running your podcast as part of a large organization or a business or something like that, have your own inbox just for the podcast. So you can keep those kind of separated from everything else. For voicemail, there are some dedicated tools just for this, and if anyone is using a tool other than SpeakPipe, I would love to hear about it. SpeakPipe, I know, has been around forever, <laughs> and I don't know if it's still kind of the best thing out there, so if other folks are using things specifically for this, I would love to hear about it. Google Voice, I know, is another option that folks use that is uh, so you can register a Google Voice number for free, so it's kind of like a virtual online phone number that you can have just for your podcast, and people can leave you voicemails there, and you can download those MP3s and then insert them back into your show for like the next episode or if you have a QA, a Q&A episode at some point. And then similarly, maybe kind of a little low tech solution is to just encourage people to record something on their computer and then upload it using something like Dropbox or Google Drive. So the real kind of important thing here is to allow a way for people to send you feedback in between episodes. One of the important things here is is this is a cool way to give the folks who are calling in or sending emails props on on the next podcast episode. So hey, we got this cool email from Jack. Jack asked about blah, 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 blah. Check out Jack's podcast. Podcast, or Jack's website, or the things that Jack is doing over here, when you're able to give a shout out or, or props back to somebody who is participating in your show, that encourages the the other people that are listening to do the same thing, so that you know they might get that sa- that same shout out. Communities is something that we've talked about in some other editions of office hours and really is a very powerful community building tool i guess uh, so things like facebook groups slack channels discord channels which is kind of similar like a forum or even in-person events all of these are are places where people in your world can go to have discussions around your podcast and around your brand in between episodes and so as opposed to something like a voicemail or an email where one person is sending a message to you a community and a forum of some sort is like a, a mini to mini type discussion. So it's not just you and another person have a discussion. It's all 300 people in the Facebook group having a discussion about this thing, whatever the topic of your most recent podcast episode was. I think if I was going to pick one single thing to do to create, to encourage audience communication and participation in my show, it would be some type of online community. Facebook, uh, love them or hate them, makes groups really easy, and so so that might be the the best place to go. But I think the rule here is go wherever your audience already is. If you're you know a podcaster and you want to have a podcast about podcasting. A lot of those people are on Facebook. So Facebook groups might make the, the most sense if it's a professional organization that you have a podcast for maybe in-person events is the thing. Cause you guys have a meetup every other week and audience communication would then happen in person. So kind of leave that up to, to you for your particular instance where you're already engaging with your audience and just do more of it in that medium. So blog comments are really interesting thing if you encourage and manage them really well. I would say, first of all, you have to have a platform that lets you have comments. So I know some podcast hosting platforms don't have the concept of comments for posts. That's cool. If you have a proper website for your podcast, like on WordPress, using something like Siri of Podcasting, then obviously WordPress has commenting built right in. And one of the one of the best things that we've seen to encourage comment participation for episodes is if you have a guest on your show to, you know, align with the guest beforehand to say, I- I'm going to have you on your show. That would be great. We'll publicize this. It'll be great for, you know, your audience building in return. I would, I would really appreciate if you could come in and participate in the comments for this episode for the next you know week after, after the episode goes live. So that allows, you know, you're going to have an, a, a discussion with a guest about a, a topic and then afterwards you're Audience can come in and say, Hey, I heard Denise talking about this thing on your episode, but I didn't hear Craig talk to Denise about this thing. I had a question about this or clarification about this one point they made. So it lets your audience participate with the guest kind of after the episode comes out. And with this, kind of like we were talking about with giving a shout out or props for good comments. Uh, similar to the the voicemails or emails to say, you know, hey, we had a really interesting comment on our last episode. You know, Bob was asking about this thing. You know, Bob is located over here. You can check out his stuff here or there. So all of these things are kind of like positive reinforcement mechanisms to encourage more of this. When people are hearing that people that other audience members are are participating and giving feedback and and creating dialogue, it makes them want to do it too, and, and kind of lets them know that it's okay. The next one is is really a podcast format, and that is roundtables. Uh, I think this might be difficult, more difficult for some people to pull off than others. Um, but but the idea really here is that you can have a regular rotation of certain members of your audience on your show, and so they can participate directly in your podcast. I've seen this happen a lot in the tech world. Um, So you have like industry experts come on and talk on regular intervals once a month or every other month or something like that. You have a a panel talk about this particular thing. And I think it works really well when they are topically grouped. So you talk about one little micro niche of your topic and you have the same six people on every time Uh, and you go talk about another one and and you, and you group them together. And I have on here that this is really great for networking um, because like networking is, is one of the, maybe kind of hidden secrets of podcasting. But if you're able to say, I have the 20 top thought leaders in my space on my podcast every two or three months, then those 20 people are going to be really you know good friends in the end. And this is a cool way for you to use your podcast as a way to reach and stay engaged with these people. And they will really appreciate it. Because even now here in 2019, podcasting is really popular, but especially in some industries it is something really new to, especially a lot of professional people. So I think this could be a really interesting way to to offer something to people that are thought leaders in your space that they might not be getting you know, elsewhere. Uh, and the last one here is live streaming. One of our customers I know does live streaming with a lot of success that it's their kind of formats preference in podcasting. They kind of reuse their live stream events as regular podcast episodes, but they do they do episodes primarily kind of as live streaming events. And you can do this on on Facebook, on YouTube, uh, kind of natively. There are tools that let you uh, record while you're doing this and repurpose that content later. And you can use webinar platforms like we have today to live stream a message, and then you turn this into a podcast later. And that's actually what we do. So we record this. We put it on YouTube natively. Uh, we also re-strip out the audio and we make this into a podcast episode so you can listen to our Podcast Hackers podcast if you if you missed this today or you want to kind of tune into to other Office Hours episodes. We live stream this as a webinar, um, but we also make this into a podcast and it comes out about a week after after these live webinars. The downside is the audience participation for that kind of latent podcast isn't available, but for everyone who's online here today, uh, you, can, you can ask questions and we can have dialogue. And so it's really cool for us to be able to chat with with everyone here real time, answer questions, have a discussion and hear hear kind of what's working for you and what's not uh, what challenges folks are having. I really like this as a medium a lot uh, and is something that we're doing more and more of. So so maybe the most important thing and in, in the place where people get scared about this is what if I encourage this communication and discussion and nothing happens? And that's uh, that's a real concern. And, and the angle or the cheat or the strategy here is to kind of front load some of this engagement. So if it's a community you're starting, get five or ten people that you can say, hey, please come in and participate in my Facebook group every day or every other day or something like that. So that when you invite all these other people in, it's not just a ghost town. If you're doing a, a QA and a webinar like we're doing, um, have some questions that you know people are asking a lot, but but not but might not ask live on the webinar. Um, we always have those because we have questions that come into our support channel or we have in blog comments that we know are kind of hot topics that people are asking about. And so Denise and I always have those questions ready to go in case you know we answer all the questions by 45 minutes into the episode. We can say, hey, this is a question we get a lot. So we thought we'd cover this today. It's just a nice way to keep the keep the content going, encourage that, that discussion, even if you don't have that kind of nexus of, of engagement going just yet. So kind of just to recap, these are kind of the five ideas that, that we have of ways to encourage audience participation in your podcast. The first being emails and voicemails. These are kind of asynchronous um, communities like Facebook groups. This is a great way to encourage the the one-to-many or many-to-many discussions. Blog comments as a way for your audience members to participate with you or a guest um, after the episode in, in an asynchronous way. Uh, Roundtables as a, a format of a podcast to have some regular members of your audience or your your kind of world on to talk about uh, your topic and then live episodes as a way to have real one-on-one real-time communication and dialogue with members of your audience uh, and then you can then you can repurpose that back into a podcast episode later but the the actual thing that you're recording is an actual you know real engaged uh, piece of content so with that we're gonna roll into the question and answers, section of the webinar today the the kind of ground rules are anything goes basically Uh, so anything around getting started launching your podcast the technology gear uh distribution anything goes and it, it does not have to be around audience engagement so this is really uh we like to have these you know 10 or 15 minutes at the beginning to to have something to talk about for us to share a little bit about what we what we know and what we think but uh, the questions can be about anything. And so uh, if folks have questions, please drop them in below. Uh, scroll down on your screen and, uh, and drop in a question. I see we have uh, some stuff in the chat here that we will open up and chat through now.
2: Melissa, um, so Melissa just dropped in our first question specific to the roundtable suggestion. What's kind of the best way to get the best sound quality if your guests are spread out around the country? What would you suggest, Greg?
1: Yeah, so there's a couple of tools that do this, uh, and they do it really well. Uh, one is called Zencaster, Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R, and the other is called Squadcast.fm. So squadcast.fm. We can drop the links to those in in the chat over here so you can check them out. And they both do really, really high quality remote recordings specifically for podcasting. So I know Zencaster is audio audio only. Squadcast is audio and video. So depending on kind of what medium you're wanting to record, either, either or both of those might be a good option for you there. I've used both and all of my recordings going forward are going to be with Squadcast. It's a it's a really exceptional tool. And what kind of both of these do that tools like a webinar software or even Zoom uh, don't do is they record locally on your computer and locally on your guest computers, if you have multiple guests, uh, so that things like Internet latency and dropout aren't a factor because you have a local recording, just like if you were lo- recording it on, you know, with some like QuickTime or Audacity
2: great audio. What kind of best uh, editing programs would you recommend for people just starting out?
1: Yeah, really, uh, really great question, Jeremy. The the tool we like to use is called Audacity. And Audacity is a free open source project that is cross-platform. So it works on both Windows and on Mac and is a really powerful but, but kind of easy to use tool. There is certainly a learning curve to it. If you go on to YouTube and type in Castos, Audacity. Uh, we have a couple of of tutorials there on on how to use it. We actually walked through that in last last week's edition of Office Hours. Um, it's just a pretty short one, but um, yeah, Audacity is the tool that we recommend for for everybody. It's certainly good enough as you're getting started, and even a lot of professional and higher end podcasters use Audacity. It's a really powerful tool to do editing. You can also record locally with it so if it's just you doing a podcast a lot of folks just record right in audacity do their editing and so they don't have to mess with you know recording here exporting the file importing it into the editing tool and and things like that so it's a it's kind of a dual threat tool that you can do both recording locally at least and editing and when I say locally, so if you're calling somebody across the country or something like that, it, it wouldn't work in that situation. But uh, if it's just you or you and a co-host in the same room, to have. so you do you think it's better to have more of uh, a niche or an open forum in
2: terms of audience and uh, like who you're targeting to speak to?
1: Yeah, Jim, I would, if you could give a little more clarity around kind of what your topic is in general, uh, that might help us answer this a little bit better because, um, and you just drop it in the chat if you'd like, uh, because I, I think it depends, is the answer. If, uh, you know, I would say if you're uh, more of like an entertainment style show, then keeping it open probably is good because, you, you know, you think about some of these really huge podcasters that they really don't have a specific niche that they talk about very much. But if you're doing something like a business podcast or you're podcasting for a local, organization or something like that then then you would want to niche down pretty good to to be able to reach a really specific audience and tailor your content to to exactly that audience and the and the things that they're concerned about and struggling with and want to hear more about but if you have just a general entertainment podcast i think that leaving it open gives you a lot of options to to pivot and see what your audience is really engaging with and kind of change tack down the road without having to you know rebrand the podcast entirely or anything like that so i would say uh jim it probably depends a little bit about kind of what area of podcasting you're going into and what type of content you're going to be recording Mm -hmm. to give a a really kind of nice solid definitive answer there but um if you could drop a comment in the chat about uh kind of which area of this that that you're going that would be that would be helpful for us i would love to hear from folks if you want to drop in the chat and let us know like what what you're doing to encourage audience and manage audience participation with your podcast, I would love to hear what everyone else is doing. We're certainly not uh, the end-all, be-all authorities on all this stuff. We've, we've done a fair amount of podcasting, but always love hearing what is working well for others. Um, Some
2: responses to roll Especially I have another If it's something we didn't you, cover, um, as part of those we like talked five, about,
1: uh, topics or ideas, if folks have anything else, there, they're the doing that, after
2: the episode records. Is working or is uh, not working? For someone who's kind of love just love starting out, it. do you have any general tips or strategies on how I can get more guests to attend uh, my show to come on to my show?
1: Yeah, so recruiting guests is uh, is is an interesting one. Um, I think that at at its core, there has to be something in it for them. Uh, and for most people, it can be, um, you have on a a guest to be able to share your audience with, with them and share, share their message with your audience. So, so it really should be kind of symbiotic in that respect. So you have on a guest because, uh, you can kind of propose to your guest, Hey, I have 500 or 5,000 listeners. And if you come on, then, you know, your message will be shared to all those people, um, and that should be that should be a pretty high value thing that you can propose to these folks. Um, if you're just starting out, um, I, I use having guests on podcasts as like a networking opportunity. So you can say, um, you know, hey, I know you're a trusted kind of authority in this space. I would love to hear your thoughts on this thing. We sh- we could make it a podcast episode, and it will go out to to our audience. You don't have to tell people how big your audience is if you're just starting out. And, and I think a lot of people. Again, even here in 2019 are really flattered that you would invite someone on as, as a podcast uh, guest because it's it really is is a pretty high compliment to say, hey, I think a lot of what you do uh, and, and kind of where you stand on these things would love to have you on to, to chat more about this. And, and I guess the other thing I would say there is um, – to to kind of stair step your way up uh, that ladder. So, so don't go for the, you know, the top dog in your, your space or your organization or your industry or whatever. Uh, Start with somebody that is pretty close to to where you are in your journey, um, because those people will be really relatable to your audience. And a lot of times those are the the best guests that you have on and then you can go to the next kind of rung up that ladder and say hey LinkedIn i had
0: for his you know gary engagement. on my podcast he um, was really great LinkedIn, i think is a really interesting strategy we had really great audience use
2: that for your own uh, engagement podcast, after I that episode you would you like to come on and talk about this other thing I, you
1: know i think we would have similar kind of levels of engagement and success afterwards uh i don't i don't i'm not i'm not a big linkedin person um But I know particularly as you get kind of further to the the B&B side of the, the business spectrum, uh, It is a really popular and really powerful platform, so I'm Points not I'm before. not surprised, if like Jack said, that that's been a successful a, space a forum. A I know podcast. I know quite a few
0: people really that really heavily you to be more the industry leader really in space. So it could be a nice um, little uh, anecdote to add to your own LinkedIn uh, you profile you know, if you're going for, to be For for where a lot of us use Facebook well. for kind of um, regular personal social sharing, people use LinkedIn for business
2: sharing, and yeah, it's really
1: powerful. Um, One of the other really kind of like hidden benefits of of having guests on your podcast or being a guest on someone else's podcast is backlinking and link building. Uh, So... Theoretically, every time you're a guest on someone else's podcast, uh, they will link to you and to your website or your business or your group so Jack's or your social media profile, uh, with uh, and about links the, are a huge indicator to Google and the, the search engines of how, how important or relevant somebody is. I'm currently uh, publishing and so either a for a you to go guest on up, someone else's podcast or when you're recruiting be able guests, you say, Hey, we will link to you and your business and your, you know, Twitter or LinkedIn page, um, and that's an easy thing for you to give back to that guest, and that they should they should place you know quite a bit of value on that. Yeah, I think the last quite, the last part there is really the important one is is um, you should publish as much as you can, <laughs> and that that seems really simple maybe, but um, if you're able to consistently put out three episodes a week and they're high quality and your audience is engaging with them and your numbers are growing. If you can keep that up, then I would uh, for as long as you can. If if you find that that's difficult, then, then ratcheting it back down to, to one or two is fine. I say that you should not have less than one every other week. And so it sounds like jack is is way far ahead of that and that's great i'm envious jack but the thing is if you're if you're less than every other week then your audience really just loses interest and kind of i hate to say it forget maybe forgets about you uh in between those episodes because we all have eight thousand things going on every day um we can't necessarily be be bothered to remember about a podcast that only comes out once a month so i think we typically find that people who who podcast more infrequently than once every other week kind of just lose lose interest. Uh, their their audiences aren't really that engaged and their numbers, their download numbers kind of reflect that. I think three a week is is a lot. And that's awesome if your audience is engaging with that and, and things are kind of going up and to the right. I uh, I would keep that going as long as you can. And the big thing with with all of this like publishing schedule stuff is when you do decide that you want or need to to ratchet that back down Communicate that with your audience, um, either in a, a kind of dedicated mini episode or as like a custom intro to, to one episode and say, hey, we've been doing three episodes a week. It's been really great, but we're moving back to one a week or one, you know, two a week or one every other week or something like that because of X, Y, Z and whatever the X, Y, Z is. But, but to give your audience an expectation and let them know what's going on so that they don't think that you just flaked out and didn't have time or didn't want to record episodes anymore, but give them... You know, the honest good reason that you're moving from three episodes a week to two uh, or to one or to every other week. Content. Um so um, we they know what to expect so that when another episode doesn't
0: come on Friday, but it comes next um, Wednesday and and they'll say that hey, that's cool. Jack told me that he's
2: or gonna be going alive, to a week. Uh, recording uh, recording cool. might be a good um totally cool. You to know, they'll stay they'll stay subscribed
0: and engaged. If you don't can you kind of walk us through the benefits of three, so they might think less of you, they might think you take your podcast less seriously.
1: Um if you don't set that expectation for them. Yeah, for sure. So I think that that the kind of either way you look at repurposing your your content, the goal is to record once and then have your your content go to as many different places as you can and in, in as many different media as possible. And so um, I'll talk about what we're doing today. Right. So we're recording a webinar today. So it's live. So it's Denise and I's face and the slides. Uh, and so that's and video and audio that we're recording. And so this is a live webinar and it's being recorded and we'll pull the video recording down and we'll publish that to YouTube directly to our YouTube channel in the office hours playlist. We'll also then strip out the just the audio of this and combine it with intro and outro and music like a typical podcast episode would be to repurpose this video content into just audio for folks who just like listening to podcasts and don't want to go to YouTube and sit for you know the hour that we'll be recording this today. Um, and, and that last part I think is really important is that There are a lot of different types of information consumers out there. Um, There are people that like YouTube. There are people that like live events like this. There are people that like podcasts. There are people that like to read transcripts or read kind of show notes. We also do that. We take and write up really kind of informational, concise, uh, resource-heavy show notes for each webinar or podcast episode, whichever way you want to look at it. So there's video, there's audio, and there's written. Conversely, Uh, a lot of people just record audio for their podcasts. Um, And within Castos, we have a feature we call YouTube republishing, which takes your audio file, converts it to a video format with a kind of a still background image, Uh, and then publishes that to your YouTube channel for you. So whereas we do a lot of this manually right now, that's all automatic. And all you have to do is record your podcast episode in audio format. When you publish it to Castos, it gets converted to video and publish your YouTube channel along with the show notes or the description for the podcast episode that you have so that you're repurposing this content from audio format to video format to achieve the same thing, which is to meet your audience where they consume content already. So there's a lot of people like listening to audio. There's a lot of people like like watching videos or, or you know, consuming content on um, YouTube.
2: Offices uh, may block YouTube is
1: the a few different biggest engine so you engine out there. Access Spotify so if you have your you love covered with your website
0: podcast as you do your website your podcast is in the popular podcast. And you can the, access the YouTube, so it might be another like area for podcast, your audience and Spotify, to listen uh, to your show. Kind of on their time, and then if your podcast is also on YouTube,
1: then you really have a lot of the biggest
2: places people go to search for. And offering additional additional both which is i think the, um so can you kind of walk
0: us through kind of what you might be able
2: to offer your audience with a premium subscription and how one might go about setting that up for their own show
1: yeah yes yeah, so the idea of uh you know premium subscriptions is that you have some content that is available only to uh i think mostly it would be paying members so uh, a lot of podcast content is free and will always be free. That's great. I think a lot of podcasts should always be free. Um, but more and more we're seeing this trend towards charging for some or all of your podcast content. Uh, and so Cast is developing what we call premium podcasting, where you'll be able to select certain episodes to kind of exist in their own little podcast that's over here that's only available for people that are paying a monthly subscription. Um, and things that a lot of content creators are doing. And, and this is really a new medium or or kind of angle on podcasting. So, so a lot of people are figuring this out as we go. Um, But what some people are doing is like question and answer episodes, like, so they'll just be available to, to premium subscribers. Or if you have this round table kind of discussion, maybe you have a a really cool intimate round table discussion with some industry leaders, it wouldn't be available in your regular podcast feed. It's only available to premium uh, subscribers. Uh, Something else we're seeing people doing is is sending kind of teaser episodes to their regular feed. So everyone gets the first 20 minutes of this really interesting podcast. Um, But then the rest or the full length podcast episode would be available only to premium subscribers. So I think that this is one of those things where you kind of have to ask yourself, like, how how would you want to do this both? from a, a content creator and a business or you know, project perspective, but also put yourself in the, in the shoes of your audience to say like, what would be so valuable to me that I would pay you know, five or 10 bucks a month to get this extra content from, from the people you really enjoy hearing from? Um, and, and the answer to that is, is kind of how you would approach this like premium subscription model. Um, And this is going to be available from Castos here before the end of the year, which I can't believe (laughs) I'm saying that, but I mean, it's, we're just starting the fourth quarter here on the 2nd of October. Um, So it really is relatively just around the corner. Um, And we see this as a, a huge opportunity in podcasting just in general. Um, other markets outside of the U.S. have already adopted this with vigor. In China, podcasting is an enormous business, and almost all of it is around paid access to content. Um, so, you know, in the U.S., podcasting as a business is is done kind of primarily by advertising. Um, and that's great. I mean, I think kind of comes from
0: the radio world. Yeah, we're very excited um, to get But that, as we look at the kind of the digital like the digital, um, so like the digital native version monetization of this, and how um, you uh, know, the analogy might be that we to take use like to use is like membership sites.
2: So can you walk us uh, through a, a lot of us are, are of membership of groups or online communities that are available only to money whether they're
1: paid or not. And something like premium podcasting is the the podcasting analogy of of like a av- membership site where certain content and discussions are only available to people uh, that that pay for it. Um, and so that's that's what this is all about, and we're really super excited to be to be able to offer this to everybody um, here in the next couple months. Yeah, so I think when when it comes to monetization in general, there's like two schools of thought. One is to directly monetize your podcast, something like premium podcasting or you know paid memberships to paid subscriptions to your podcast is certainly one of them the more traditional maybe is advertising so you sell advertising on a per episode or per season or per group of episodes basis to an individual or a company you read their kind of spiel their advertisement and your audience listens and hopefully then kind of takes takes action by purchasing their thing or checking out their show or whatever the other option that that we see a lot and and frankly for the vast majority of us uh has has kind of more legs and more opportunity is is indirectly monetizing your podcast through something else and for a lot of us this is a business or a side hustle or uh you know an interest group that we're a part of is to use the podcast as a marketing channel which really i mean Podcasting is a form of content marketing, and using the the podcast to spread your message about the thing that's kind of behind your podcast ultimately, and that's so that's what we're doing here today, right? We're we're sharing hopefully a lot of really good, interesting, useful information for everyone, um, and this is a form of of kind of sharing what we know and sharing our brand. Um, And sharing a lot of goodwill, I hope, uh, with everyone in the podcasting world, whether you're our customers or you're not, and you might be in the future or you might never be. That's cool. We just want to be here to share what we know and create community engagement around podcasting so that everybody can become better podcasters. Um, And we hope that at some point in the future, this leads to more people knowing about Castos and our team and kind of what we know and what we're able to offer. And that leads to, you know, more business down the line. Uh, and that's kind of the the promise of of content marketing, um, and I think it, it works really well for a lot of different scenarios. Um, so so when I think about monetizing a podcast or any type of content, it is very much the the long game. It's the give give give, and we see a lot of really successful brands and businesses and groups doing this um because as consumers we all just want to kind of have our needs met (laughs) and and however that 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 is done kind of most easily uh is what we gravitate towards um and then you know hopefully down the line you remember that oh hey i listened to this podcast and they had such great information i'm gonna go check out what they have about this other thing that i need to buy or want more information about or buy a course on this thing or something like that so when it comes to monetization, kind of that's to the, the angle I prefer to go in, in to um, because it, it's it just easier like to monetize a to podcast directly on In terms of side hustles, say I have a blog or something else, what kind downloads of content an episode. is kind of
2: ripe and to be I can repurposed tell you that, into a <laughs> um, right Knowing
1: all that. of the data of all of our customers at Castos, out of the tens of thousands that we have, there are very few podcasts that have, say, more than 20,000 downloads an episode, which is what you need really to make. I'll say good money, certainly money that you could like live on. So, so for the vast majority of us, it's it's just I hate to say it's not an option, but it's just not a great option. I think that uh, a, a, an interesting way that some people do uh, do kind of repurposing of blog content into to podcasts are like if you've had someone guest post on your on your blog, uh, to have them on your podcast and talk about the guest post and and kind of have a further dialogue about some of the details. Uh, of what they wrote in a guest post um and, and the reason for this is that like audio is such a different medium than 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 the written word and then blogging and you can get a lot of the why behind why somebody said something or what they said right so so like and the why is usually the really interesting impactful thing to a lot of us so uh, having on someone who's guest posted for you to talk about that topic again super important um if you're the one that wrote the original piece, getting a uh, getting a industry leader on to talk about this particular topic that's really cool and really fl- should be really flattering for them to say, hey, I wrote about SEO. Would you like to come on and talk about this SEO piece that I wrote, and we can kind of riff on different aspects of SEO? I think that that that's a pretty cool way to do things. And really, I think when you talk about blogging and podcasting going together, the, the question that a lot of folks have is how, how do those two fit together from like a content planning perspective? Um, and really, I think you want to ask yourself, Like, I is, there, is there content that is better suited for to the tone and
2: voice more the, the written
1: And is there, is there, there some that really content that's for better for the audio medium?
2: And um, so that's so a question that you'll have to answer yourself, about, you know, knowing your um, topic and your how you and, and how they like, bring to pa- content. That, uh, more partners that's probably and kind of the first place I to say, not necessarily for repurposing, but if you're doing both pieces of content, decide what's more appropriate
0: and impactful for your audience and what's better and more impactful for in, your podcast in, in order in to not alienate video, too right? much if of your audience videos, uh, and and making sure you're kind of retaining your that,
1: voice and the uh, ethos and that for, podcasting for you know, started or re-
0: out
1: with. Yeah, for sure. So I think, Chris, this is a really interesting one. Um, and, and you hear a lot about this. And I think this maybe is like one of the biggest challenges of of advertising is that people come on uh, as advertisers and they might not be really well aligned with you and your brand and your message and what your audience wants and it's all those whatever I say three or four or five things that all have to go really closely together with a potential uh sponsor or advertiser um so you know if we had uh me undies or casper mattresses on our podcast everyone listening to our podcast would say what is this <laughs> what is this all about like these Advertisers are not something I'm interested in. It's not aligned with what Craig and Denise are talking about with a podcasting-related podcast. This just doesn't make sense to me. That that's like the best case scenario. The worst case scenario is having a sponsor on that um, really kind of detracts from your your brand and and the the social social proof and social kind of status that you've built through your brand that would be you know potentially really damaging to to all of this work like chris is saying that you've done to 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 prop up your brand and and further your message is to have on a sponsor that when people hear this message and this this brand as an advertiser they say what is this this is this is not what i would expect from chris or from craig uh and and you know then then that could have a detrimental impact. I think this question about ownership is a really interesting one. Um, I can imagine as you get kind of further down the road that you you lose some control of of these decisions. So if you are needing quote to sell sponsorship and airtime on your podcast, you might have to compromise on some of these kind of values and and how you how you guard your your identity and your brand. And I think that honestly, is maybe one of the reasons that people are not so into into advertising is that they have all of these risks associated with them. Like Chris said, it's a cool way to make money. And I know we've sponsored podcasts in the past, and and they're not cheap these days, especially in certain niches. So yeah, you can make good money if you have the download numbers, or if you're if you're good at selling these packages. But, But I think the the risk of introducing something into your message and your brand that would be detrimental to it is is definitely real. And it's just something you should be aware of as you're going through the process of of getting advertisers. Um, just know that that a, a misstep here could have kind of a negative impact, um, but but it could be a positive thing if you have brand if you have uh, advertisers and sponsors on that are real partners, like Chris is saying. Then it then it really can work to where you're you're kind of um, helping each other kind of become better and, and advance your your cause there. So Chris, a, if you have other kind of experiences or or things that you've seen with this, we'd love to we'd love to hear about it. Uh, if you want to drop in a chat or another question or comment, uh, we'd love to hear about it because, um, yeah, podcast advertising is is a, is a kind of the wild west still, right? I mean, I can't believe it here in 2019. It's something that there's not a ton of standardization around. There's not a lot of rules. There's things that some people expect, but it you know depending on your niche or how savvy the advertisers are and your kind of world, there could be, you know, you're the one making up the rules that, you know, that sponsors and advertisers don't come to your podcast with preconceived notions about what to expect. almost all podcasters I know kind of make up the rules themselves so you know it's how many episodes are in a package mm-hmm. it's how many, whether you have
2: an uh, how much of that package kind of goes for what ads the as people are bringing you know to make it more how many calls actions you can have you need to give emotional hey, deals to I can to,
0: tell say the CTA I can say all these, these kind, kind of things are word decided on like a one-off basis it's not like using Google AdSense where you just know asking them for the script that you kind of need to re for them you've seen kind of pros and cons with each strategy potentially
1: like on the lower end of having all of that control because you you don't have that control you can't decide who who's going to be kind of participating in your show so so i think denise will take one more question maybe yeah i think the 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 best way to do this and the folks at gimlet media kind of pioneered this with the startup podcast is the host red ads convert better for the sponsor and and so you should let them know that say hey the data around this is pretty convincing. Um, we could pull up this data and we can include it in the show notes for, for this edition of Office Hours. But you saying this in your own words is absolutely the best way because then it resonates with your audience more and seems more genuine to them. And, and so I think that having having a sponsor provide you with a script is great. But then you as the, as the podcaster need to say, yep, I got your script. I'm going to modify it some. It's still going to have the core message, but this is what I'm going to say. Uh, and when we've sponsored podcasts, in the past, this is how it's always gone. And then they send you that that host read ad before it goes into the podcast episode. Say, hey, this is the script you sent me. This is what I read. Does this sound okay? And we listen to it and say, yep, that's great. Or no, this is not okay. I'd really want more of this or that or the other. But generally, I mean, if you have a good relationship with, with the, the podcast that you're sponsoring, all of that should be aligned and, and there shouldn't be any surprises there. But yeah, you as the advertiser definitely want to have a host read message because it just performs better for for your business. And you as a podcaster definitely want to read your own ads because the, the message comes across like it's your message and you have more control over kind of how authentic and, and aligned that is with the rest of your brand. So. Cool. Well, thank you everyone who came on the, the webinar today for for your questions and comments and engagement. It was really fun. Uh, this is a topic that Thanks, I love fine. and I think really separates the the premium shows from from the ones who might struggle to get traction. So if you're not encouraging kind of audience communication and, and engagement with your podcast, it's definitely worth thinking about. We will have a, an email summary of this and a blog post going out here in the next couple of days. So you will get an email kind of with that, that notification. And We're doing these office hours every week, every Wednesday at noon Eastern. And so to sign up for the next one here in about another couple of hours, you can go to castos.com slash office hours and sign up for the next edition. And we'll be sending out some more information about what that looks like here shortly. So thanks to everyone who came on today. And we will see you next week.